Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh yeah, that's good, yeah. It's an amazing day, no matter where you are. If you're here at Goshen, if you are in St. Pete, St. Pete, I love you. You are my Florida family. If you are in Mishawaka, Mishawaka, I love you too, because I was a Mishawaka campuser. Our friends in Nashville, give it up for all the campuses, ever all of our campuses. God is doing great things. God is doing great things in our lives. Remember, if there's a moment where you feel like an outsider, right? Just like the video said, if there's a moment where you feel like an outsider, you can still be a part of God's story. I love this series because oftentimes in my life, I feel like an outsider. I feel out of place. I feel like I'm kind of weird, you know? Like, it's funny, I'm an extreme extrovert. I can go to like a big party and hang out with people and sometimes you might find me off to the corner because I feel out of place or I feel like I just don't, might, maybe don't quite fit in just quite right. Like, we all experience moments where we feel like outsiders. And the beautiful part about it is God uses us to be a part of his greater story. Aren't you glad that it is bigger than just you and I? That God is always at work. I'm glad because I know there are some days of the week where I'm just not going, you know, running on all cylinders. But I'm excited. This is an exciting series. We're going to be wrapping it up in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited about this time of year. I love the summertime. You know, you're always going. You got baseball games. You got cookouts. You got fireworks. You got going to the beach. You've got, you know, fill in the blank. You got get-togethers with everybody. I got to spend the last week with my family. I loved it. I've got a new niece. She's like three months old. She's the cutest thing, the greatest gift of God that I've ever seen. And so I got to spend the week with her, the rest of my family. It was good to see them, but she, you know, was what was important, right? And I, uh, I you know, I celebrated a high school reunion last night. And so, you know, like that was pretty exciting. I saw people who I hadn't seen. It was our 20 plus one years. We postponed it for COVID. So 21 years. Yeah, so I'm getting very old. Thank you for those who are cheering that I'm old. Uh, but uh, I love, you know, like going to do that stuff. But have you ever gone to like something, you know, like, you know, you're preparing, right? To go like see people you haven't seen for a long time. And so, of course, naturally you want to put your best foot forward. So I needed to go find myself a new shirt, right? Because you want to put your best foot forward. You want to look well, you know. And so it was, it was about two Mondays ago, I walked into a store. I pulled in, I put it in park, and there it said, Men's Warehouse. And you know, I don't really shop at the Men's Warehouse very often, because most of the time it's, uh, you know, blazers and ties, and I'm more of a flip-flops and shorts kind of guy. But sometimes I like to go there because they got some nice short sleeve shirts that are, that are pretty high quality. They last long, and they look really good. You know, but it's the Men's Warehouse, right? So you got to be a little bit careful. I mean, I'm a man who's you know, 39 years old, but I've got the contours of a man who's 59 years old. And so if I get the wrong shirt, you know, like I, I age myself out and I'm still young and single and I got to, you know, keep my game up, you know, because you never know. And so like you got to find the right shirt. So, you know, you go in the men's warehouse, you kind of got to pick through, you know, and the nice young gentleman who, you know, is probably 20 years old, you know, he's helping me out. And of course he looks really cool because his hair is all done. You know, it looks like he just rolled out of bed, but also spent like like six hours on it, you know, and he's got the pencil mustache and, and the beard that he probably should have uh, 
thought about before he left home. He probably should have just nixed that because it really wasn't there, you know. And he was helping me and he was super kind. And so here I am and I go in and I, I get a few shirts and I go into the dressing room and, you know, it's quite the ordeal because you have to try it on and then step out because they got like one of those three mirror things. There's no mirrors in the dressing rooms, you know, so you feel like you're on display for all to see. You know, and I, you know, like shirt shopping's always kind of a pain, just shopping for clothes and generals. I, I'm pretty efficient, you know, I like to do it, but I'm pretty efficient. And, uh, you know, since I moved to Florida, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, there's great food in Florida. All my Florida family, you know how good our food is in Florida, right? And so I've naturally gained, you know, five pounds plus 20 since I hit up the Sunshine State, you know? And so here I am, you know, trying on this shirt, looking in the mirror and like, you know, trying to put my best foot forward, look good for everybody, you know, that I'm gonna see in, in just a couple of weeks last night at my high school reunion. And you know, it just wasn't fitting right. And I was kind of uncomfortable in the first shirt, it fit okay, you know? And the young man was like, hey, He's like, that looks really good. That fits kind of nice. I was like, yeah, but if I eat something or I, I have a drink of something, like it is not gonna look good. And so like I took, I went in, took that off, put on a new shirt, came out. And this one was a little worse. It was more constrictive and kind of irritating, you know? And I just felt like I was kind of, you know, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't handle it. And so then I went back in and put on a different one. And I, I looked at that and, you know, kind of put that in place and got that all. And it just wasn't looking good. It was just, it was super snug, super tight. And so, you know, now I'm feeling really self-conscious about myself. Now I'm, you know, starting to sweat. I'm feeling a little angsty, starting to think about, man, Remington, you should make better life choices. You can't always eat what you see. I did start working out at a gym, which is very exciting. So I feel very good about that. Thank you. Yes, I love the support. Yes, we should all support one another, right? Especially in that endeavor. But, uh, so here I did, I came out and I took my shirts and I was like, hey, where would you like me to put these? And he, you know, he's like, just leave them there, I'll take care of them. And I, I walk out and I, I get all the way up to the front of the store and I'm about 10, eight, 10 feet from the door and the nice young man, he says, hey, you know what? You know, there, there's a store up by the mall I think that would have a shirt for you. It's called DXL. And he said it with the sweetest voice, but he could have just said, hey, you're fat, better luck next time, you know? And like, <laughs> So I went out the door, I was like, thanks, thanks so much. I walked out the door, I got in my car, I sat there for a second, and I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty spent. I was tired, it was a Monday, I had worked a long day, you know, went shirt shopping, was trying to get it out of the way because I had a lot of other things to do before I left town. And I was just tired. I was tired. And I tell you that story because I think oftentimes uh, having a piece of clothing that doesn't fit is often a metaphor for our life. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're always trying to put our best foot forward, right? Because that's what we're taught to do, right? God's given each of us gifts. He's given each of us talents. He's given each of us abilities, right? And so we want to do well for his glory. We want to do well so that we are successful as people, right? The world throws that at us a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. But oftentimes when we live our lives in that way, it can get tiring after a while. Because you're not the only person in the world, right? There's other things that begin to brush up against you, that begin to constrict you. Life begins to happen and before you know it, you're going, you're going, you're going. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe you're always picking up the extra hours because who doesn't like the money, right? I mean like get it while the getting's good because it might not be good forever. Or maybe it's, you know, the status or the success of a job, you know, of like, I'm going after this. It's great to be driven, right? And so we drive towards goals and we work and we work and we work and we work and we put in the hours and we're checking the emails after hour and we're making sure that all of our I's and all of our T's, you know, are dotted and crossed, you know? Maybe, maybe it's in a relationship, right? Like you wanna be the best 
you know, person in that relationship that you could be. So if that's your significant other, you want them to know that you value them, that you love them, that you appreciate them. So you go out of their way, you're out of your way to do things that maybe aren't always, you know, in your interest, but are in their interest. And you do that because you wanna make sure that they know that they're loved. You know, it looks in like a number of ways. Maybe it's just doing nice gestures. Maybe it's just selling, you know, taking the time because some, somebody's a quality time person. Maybe it's running your kid from this thing to that thing, to this thing, to that thing, to this thing, to that thing. You know, relationships are another area where we do that. Maybe it's just in your personal life. You always have this drive and you have to feel like you keep going in every area of your life. Because if you stop for a moment, like you're not being productive. You're not accomplishing what needs to be accomplished. And you've got a lot to do. Life is short, right? We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. We're but a vapor. We've got to get it done. Yeah, exactly. It gets pretty tiring. It gets pretty stressful. And sometimes it feels like we're wearing clothes that we shouldn't wear. Because what you begin to find is like in those you know, in that whirlwind, in the churn of it all, we take something like our faith, which should be front and center for us, and we put it on the back burner, and we forget about it. And we work, and we work, and we work, and we drive, and we drive, and we drive, and before you know it, something that should be on the front burner to like be that safety net for us, right? Because it's with us every moment of every day, because it's the focus. We are focusing on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who came, who gave us all, who gives us life itself. He's got me. I don't have to worry about life. He's got me. I don't have to worry about life. He's got me. I'm sorry, I'm not on a loop, but like that's what we have to remind ourselves every day. And when we put it on the back burner, we forget it. And before we know it, we have the uncomfort of being in a shirt or a garment that doesn't fit us right. You ever gone on a car ride where your clothes didn't fit just right? I mean, I usually throw on shorts and a t-shirt if I'm going for a long ride. I wanna be as comfortable as possible. Life has a way of making us feel uncomfortable. And I love this series because today we're gonna to ask ourselves this question. It's a question all of us need to hear because it practices harder than it preaches because it's easy. It is easy to get to empty. The question we're gonna ask ourselves today is how do I follow Jesus when I'm running on empty? How do I follow Jesus when I'm running on empty? And it's a great question that we have to ask ourselves because if we don't know the answer now, when we get to the point where we're running on empty, we're gonna stress out, we're gonna freak out. It's not gonna be good. And so to do that, I want to tell you a little story about a guy. His name is Elijah. And I love Elijah. He's a prophet in the Bible. He's one of the big prophets in the Bible. And he actually comes to us in the book, First Kings. First Kings, Second Kings. There are two books in the Bible that talks about, they talk about the kings of Israel. And like, you remember, God was like, I am your God. You know, he led the people out of Egypt, right? And then they're like, we want a king. Everybody else has a king. And he's like, you don't need a king. I'm your God. You don't need a king. I've got you. I'm your king. I'm your God. And they're like, but we want a king. So he's like, fine, have a king. So we've got a king and we've got people like, you know, David who come who are great and there are good kings and there are bad kings and there are terrible kings and first kings and second kings, they tell us all about these kings. And at this point, there's this guy named Elijah and he's the prophet. There's always a prophet for Israel. There's always somebody who's speaking the voice of God, right? Because the kings are taking them all these which ways and they're taking themselves all these which ways. There's this king, his name is Ahab. Ahab is the king of Israel and he marries this woman. Her name is Jezebel. And you've probably heard the word Jezebel in popular culture. It's usually, you know, used to describe somebody who's like kind of treacherous, you know, and Jezebel was this woman. She wasn't an Israelite. She was of a different people. And so when she married Ahab, the king, like 
They basically got together and she brought her own God with her own people with her. And they were like, hey, we're worshiping now Yahweh, God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who took the dirt, breathed life in it, the one who came as a man in the form of Jesus Christ, hung on a cross for you and me, was dead, buried, rose from the grave. That God was put up against a God of nature. His name was Baal, or Baal, depending on who's pronouncing it. And Baal is a god of nature that basically Jezebel's people, they worshiped. And so you've got these two gods, and finally God is like, hold on one second, I'm God. Like, this is just an idol. This is just a made-up figment of your imagination. And so we're going to show the people that I am God. And so what does he do? He says, Elijah, it's time to go back. And Elijah's like, what, time to go back? Because he's been wandering out in the wilderness. Because what's happening is Jezebel is going and killing all the prophets of Israel. And so he goes back and he says, Elijah, I'm going to show them that I'm God through you. And so they set up an altar and they set up an altar. And what's going to happen is they're going to sacrifice a bull on each altar. And then they're going to call down from Baal and from Yahweh and say, okay, light these babies up. And so he's like, okay, prophets of Baal, there's like 450 of them. He's like, okay, make it happen. And so you've got the king, he's sitting up there. You've got Elijah, you've got these other prophets and these prophets just start calling out to their God. And before you know it, it's midday and they're getting crazy. I mean, they're screaming, bring the fire. They're like cutting themselves. They're doing ritualistic things. And Elijah's just sitting there shaking his head. At one point he starts heckling them because he's like, are you, is this it? Like you guys are saying how great you are, is this it? And the whole day comes and it gets to the end of the day and Elijah's like, okay, here's how it's gonna go. And so what he does is he builds the altar back up and he puts the wood back on the altar and he makes sure that the bowl is just right. And he says, okay, now bring the jugs of water. And they come and they pour jugs of water on it. And they come and they pour jugs of water on it again. And they come and they pour jugs of water on it again because he asked them to do it three times. And then he says, okay, dig a trench. And then the water fills the trench. And it's just this altar that's filled with water. And he says, all right, God, drop it like it's hot. And boom, God drops it like it's hot. It catches fire and everything is burnt up. The bowl is burnt up. The wood is burnt up. The rocks are burnt up. All the water is burnt up. And everybody's like, holy smoke, because the people of Israel have all gathered around to see who really is God. And he says, all right, take those prophets of Baal or Baal or however you want to pronounce it. Take them out into the wilderness. We're getting rid of them. And they take them out into the wilderness and the, the Israelites get rid of the prophets. And I tell you all that to set the stage, right? Because it brings us to this moment for Elijah. It brings us to this moment for Elijah where all this stuff is going on in his life, right? He's putting his best foot forward. God's on his side. He's stepping forward, you know? And he gets to this point where it starts to get a little stressful. And the first thing that we learn from Elijah is this. Physical margin creates space between my load and my limits. Physical margin creates space between my load and my limits. He's been carrying a big load. You carry a big load in your life. You're working all the time. You're taking care of your family. There's a lot going on. Elijah, he was doing the same thing. He was taking care of his people. He was doing what God asked him to. There was a lot going on. And this is where we pick up the story. This is the moment where we realize physical margin creates space between my load and my limits. And it goes like this. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife, right? The one who worshiped Baal, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them, the prophets. Elijah was afraid, and so he fled for his life. 
He went to Beersheba in a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Then he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Here's the thing we learn from this passage. He's doing God's work, right? He's put his best foot forward. He's got his best shirt on. He's stepping out in faith. But Elijah's burnt out. He just performed this massive miracle. God is working in and through him, but he's tired. He's spent. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you're just tired and spent? Sometimes I feel like they come more often than they should. Did you know Indeed.com did a survey? 52% of workers right now feel like they are burnt out in their job. That's up 9% from pre-pandemic numbers. 52%. Those are just workers. We get tired, we get spent. Elijah was burnt out. The second thing we learned from Elijah right here is this. Be smart, make space to slow your pace. Make space to slow your pace. What did he do? He fled, he got away. He physically created margin between him and the drama of his life, him and the work of his life, him and everything that he knew. He separated himself out from it. You see, we don't do that. We think that's a suggestion, but that's actually a command in Scripture. It says in Exodus, when the, you know, the Ten Commandments were being held down, Exodus 23, it says, you have six days to do your work, but every seventh day you must stop and rest. Do this so that you and your animals and your house staff and your foreign workers may be refreshed. Jesus said it a little bit differently when it came to Matthew. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and learn to live freely and lightly. Do you ever feel free and light? I rarely feel free and light. I've always got something going on. I'm always trying to put my best foot forward. I'm always trying to make sure I dot all my I's and cross my T's because I want to live a good life, right? The problem is it gets us burnt out and we need to create physical margin in our lives. We need to separate ourselves from the loads that we carry and our limits. We need to take our faith off the back burner and put it on the front burner because if we don't, I promise you this, you will have a hard time experiencing the joy, the hope, the peace, the love that talk, that's talked about in scripture, those good fruits that God gives us because your idol is not gonna be God. You won't be worshiping God, you'll be worshiping some other idol. It'll be your job, it'll be you know, always trying to make people happy, it'll be fill in the blank. 
you've got to create physical distance. What does that mean? That means, yeah, you take Sundays and you come to church. You take Sundays so you could just get away from life. We do, we, we make it, we intentionally make it the atmosphere in our services so that people can come in and just forget about what's going on outside. And we know you don't, you bring it with you. But we want you to be able to sit and think and focus and listen for what God might be telling you. But if it's just Sundays where you think that's gonna happen, you're missing out because you should be doing that every day of your life. Taking moments to just get away and hear what God might be speaking to you about. Maybe that means you get into his word. Maybe that means you pray. Maybe that means you just sit quietly. Maybe that means you meditate on a scripture that God has given you in the week. Either way, you have to take moments to create physical margin and get away from everything. That means you take this thing right here and you don't take it with you. I don't care if you have a Bible app. Go old school, take the paper, the print. Because you bring it all in with you when you come. Make physical margin in your life. You see, the next thing we learn from Elijah is this. You've got to make spiritual margin in your life because spiritual margin creates space for me to hear God's voice. You know, Elijah, he's run off, right? And the passage picks up and it says this. You know, he's at the cave and God says, okay, what are you doing? And he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Why? He wrapped his face in his cloak because he knew he was about to see God, right? Because if you remember Moses, when he saw God up on the mountain, like it literally disfigured his face because God was so awe-inspiring that Moses looked at him and he was like, and people were like, what's wrong with Moses' face? So he had to cover it. And so Elijah covers his face because he hears the whisper of God and he knows this is God and he is speaking to me. There's a lot of things that come in your life, right? You get promotions, you get successes, you come to church and maybe you hear a great sermon. I am telling you this, if you don't take time to get away and sit quietly, you have a hard time hearing the still small voice of God. Quiet yourself. It is so countercultural. We're told to go, 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 go. Take a moment, get away, listen to what God might speak to you about. You might not hear him for a while, but I promise you this, if you are, if you're digging into his word, if you're leaning into your faith, you move it to the front burner, he will speak to you. And what happens when he does that is it, it reinvigorates your life. It rejuvenates you. It's like a vacation. You ever go, I think it was Pastor Tim a couple weeks ago was talking about going on a vacation, coming back and needing a vacation from his vacation. You ever do that? Like, I do that a lot. Like, you go on a vacation and then you're like, okay, now get back to the grind. Get away. Listen for God's still small voice. It will rejuvenate your soul. It will be the best vacation you ever could have. Do that daily, do that weekly, do that monthly. Make intentional times throughout the year. We're planners, some of us, some of us not. You know, like quarterly, get away and listen to what God might be speaking to you about. Go with your family, go by yourself. Do it for your mental health. Because people aren't. And that's why the stats are the way that they are. People are trying to fill our lives, right? We're trying to fill our lives with everything. And the reality of it is we need Jesus. We don't need stuff. 
We don't need status. We don't need money. It's not going to make you happy. I know no one who ever said, man, I really wish I would have gotten that extra overtime when they were on their deathbed. Just doesn't happen. Get away. Hear the still small voice of God in your life. Be still and know that I am God, it says in the Psalms. Such a profound statement, so short, but it gives us a proper confidence knowing that the creator of the universe is with us. You see, what you find is, as you begin to get, make physical margin in your life, right, you intentionally, purposefully get away, and you take and make spiritual margin in your life, where you actually focus on God when you're away in those moments, you begin to gain emotional margin in your life. Because if you're always running at 100 miles an hour, and you're never taking a break, and you're not listening to what God might have for you, you are going to get burnt out. And you know what? You're going to be miserable for everyone in your life. It's gonna be miserable for you. It's gonna be miserable for all your relationships. And we're here because we say that we believe in connecting people with God. And I'm telling you right now, nobody wants to be led to Jesus by a crabby Christian. We live in a world where churches tell people what they're against. Crossroads does an amazing job of telling people what we're for. We are for God, working and moving in people's lives and investing and engaging in the community so that people know that they are loved. You can't do that in your life if you're running on empty. It ain't gonna happen. And so what happens is when you create this physical margin and you create this spiritual margin, then you have emotional margin in your life. An emotional margin creates space for me to invest in others. Emotional, emotional margin creates space for you to invest in others. And we see this, it goes a little bit further in Elijah's life and Elijah gets introduced to Elisha. Let's make this as confusing as possible and switch some letters up in a name. But like he's the next prophet of Israel. And so it goes like this, God sends him to Elisha and it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. This is Elisha taking the torch from Elijah. It doesn't happen quite yet, but Elijah's like, you're gonna be the guy. Why? Because he was able to get away, create physical margin. He was able to sit there and say, God, speak to me. He encountered the still small voice of God in his life, and he realized this is the next step for me. Elijah is handing over power to Elisha at some point in the near future. See, he had the emotional margin now, right? He created the physical margin. He created the spiritual margin. He had the emotional margin in his life to where he could say, this is what's important. My faith is what's important. It's what's carried me this far. It's what's going to carry me further. I'm going to lean into this, and God is going to use me to influence Elisha's life. And so Elijah, leaning into what God has for him, he realizes that you have to be still. You have to be strong. You have to walk confidently in the plan that God has for you. You can't just keep going in life, spinning your wheels, doing the things that you think you're supposed to do every day because it will eventually burn you out. After the whole ordeal, you'll get into your car, you'll feel terrible about yourself, you'll be sweating, you'll be tired, you'll be burnt out, and you'll say, what's next? You don't have to live that way. 
You don't have to live that way. You can create margin in your life physically, you can create margin spiritually, you can create life emotionally, and you can experience the joy that comes with living a life filled with Christ. You see, the question I have for you today is, you need to ask yourself and ask it, like as you read it, hear your voice in your head, am I creating enough space to hear God's voice in my life? Am I creating enough space? You see, it's hard. I did. I said earlier, it practices harder than it preaches. I work in faith for a living. It's easy to work, right? Especially when you could say it's God's work. It can burn you out. But here's the thing. If you just take a moment to pause, create a little physical separation from everything that's going on in your world, be still and listen for the voice of God in your life. I promise you this, in moments that you feel burnt out, he will renew your soul. Because we serve a God. Yes, it is, it's something to applaud. Like, it's something to applaud, that's something to get excited about because we serve a God who literally takes dead things and brings them back to life. You don't have to live dead in your life. You don't have to be drained in your life. You don't have to feel burnt out. Your life was meant for so much more than that. Always feel like you're running on empty. Always feel like you're spent. Do you get tired? Ask yourself, am I creating enough space for God's voice in my life? I don't want you to miss this. It's something that might seem trivial. It's something that doesn't maybe have the awe-inspiring and ooey-gooey story. We're just talking about a shirt that doesn't fit right. But these are the moments where faith becomes real because he opens your eyes to people that you can engage and invest in, that you could pour your life into, that can carry the torch so that others may know that there is a God who loves them. Are you willing to let God do that with your life today? You know, we always give everyone in our services a chance to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus and it's the first time you say yes to him. If that's today, I'm super excited for you. I'm super excited for you. You don't have to live life on empty. But maybe you're somebody who follows Christ and you just get tired, you get burnt out, you're just over it all. You're trying to do all the right things and it just seems like you get drained. I wanna tell you, the creator of the universe is with you. He wants you to get away, create physical margin in your life, create spiritual margin in your life so that you can be emotionally renewed. We're gonna have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus this morning. If that's what you want in your life today, when you say yes to Jesus as we pray this prayer, that is what you're saying yes to. If you would, no matter where you are, stand with me this morning. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And if you believe it in your heart and you profess it with your mouth, scripture says you will be saved. You will be renewed. Pray this prayer with me this morning. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. If you would bow your heads with me, Father, I pray this morning that no matter where people are today, God, that they would feel the presence of your spirit upon them. It is no accident that they walked into the place where they did. 
whether that's here or one of the other campuses or they're at home online watching, God, I pray that you would come into their life, that you would renew their soul, that they would be aware of their limits, God, and that they would push the loads that they carry away from the limits, that they would make physical margin in their life. And God, I pray that they would take a moment just to be silent, to listen to your voice, that they would create that spiritual margin in your life, God, for you to speak to them. And God, I pray that as they do that, emotional margin would be created in their life so that they would realize that their life is more important than their stuff, than the busy work that goes on in their life. It's more important than their job. It's more important than making sure that everybody likes them or approves of them, God, but instead that they would be people who would pour out your grace and your love and your mercy and your joy and your peace to everyone they come in contact with, their family members, their friends, their coworkers. God, may you use them to let people know that they are loved and that you are a God who wants a relationship with each and every one of us, that you wanna see us brought back to life, that you wanna see us celebrate the change, and that you wanna see us all go out and contribute to the communities around us, God, because this world needs to hear it. We're running on empty, God. We need you now. And we pray this, all of these things in your name, the name of Jesus, a God who took it all the way to empty and then brought it all back to life. We pray it in your name. Amen. Friends, today's a great day. Somebody could have said yes to Jesus this morning for the first time. So let's give it up. And if you did say yes to Jesus, Pastor Keith is right down here. We would love for you to connect. We've got a gift for you. It's great to be with you all. I love you guys so much. Let's sing this last song together and then we'll go. Loving people, helping them know that they don't have to live life on empty.